Hello, my friends. Last night, Bill C-11 passed the Senate and was given royal assent. That means it is so close to becoming law, they just have to proclaim it. I'll read to you the government's statement on that news, as well as the CRTC, and I'll show you the warnings embedded in their statements. This is it. They are coming to censor the Internet to promote their friends and silence their enemies. I'll take you through it in great detail. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get all the video content and you get the satisfaction of helping Rebel News stay strong. You know, we don't get any money from Trudeau, obviously. We wouldn't take it if it was offered. So we need your help to keep the lights on. Go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, Trudeau rammed his censorship law through Parliament last night. Let me tell you what I'm going to do about it. It's April 28th. This is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Twenty two was the year of the trucker, wasn't it? They were the heroes who broke the official establishment narrative, proved that no, we didn't all love the lockdowns and the forced vaccines and our civil liberties being violated and our democracy being truncated. And no, even though government workers all got paid to stay home, real people still had to pay the bills. The truckers saved us. They captured the imagination of the whole world. They embarrassed Trudeau on the global stage. He panicked. And he overplayed his hand, including martial law. When he invoked that, I tell you, the mask slipped. We saw the tyrant underneath the sociopathic smile. The truckers were the story of 2022. The convoy was the greatest civil liberties campaign in a generation. And it was led, as George Orwell said it would be in his book, 1984. It was led by the working class. But it almost wasn't so, because you'll recall... Every part of the establishment, the entire regime was told to fight the truckers. I don't know if you remember this. I sure do. It's hard to believe this now, but the CBC actually ran a bunch of stories about a trucker convoy in January 2022, but they claimed that the truckers were mad about driving conditions on British Columbia's Coquihalla Highway. I am dead serious. From the very beginning, they were under marching orders. Ignore the truckers. Do not give them any coverage at all distract, talk about road conditions, I swear to God. And when that became impossible and untenable, their mission changed, again, so predictable, towards smearing the truckers. If you saw my interview the other day with Tamara Leach, you'll remember what I thought was the most interesting anecdote, she said. She was the newsmaker of the year at the heart of the story of the year. But do you remember what she told me? She was never once approached by the CBC, not once, other than towards the end when a muckraker from the Fifth Estate asked her some bad faith questions for a gotcha story. But not a single reporter, not a single panel discussion, not one even bothered to talk to her about the trucking convoy itself. How is that even possible? Well, because it was a strategy. It was not an accident or an oversight or a coincidence. As you may remember, the government literally put the mainstream media on the payroll. I mean, they did that years ago. The CBC has always been a creature of the state. 
The newspapers have been on the take for half a decade now, but even the TV and radio stations were getting huge payouts, especially over the last few years. I mean, just a plain old $104 million gift in one single instance. How can you take $104 million from Trudeau and then report a news story about Trudeau without disclosing that conflict of interest? That is a form of corruption. And that's just government money. Forget about Pfizer money. Frankly, that's what Tucker Carlson talked about in his last monologue before he left Fox. Remember this? Well, here's one measure of their badness. You can try this at home. Ask yourself, is any news organization you know of so corrupt that it's willing to hurt you on behalf of its biggest advertisers? Anyone who do that is obviously Pablo Escobar level corrupt and should not be trusted. What would that look like? That level of corruption. Well, imagine that the Trump administration had made it mandatory for American citizens to buy my pillow. That's one of Fox News' biggest advertisers. Imagine the administration declared that if you didn't rush out and buy at least one my pillow, and then at least another booster pillow, you would not be allowed to eat out. You couldn't re-enter your own country. You couldn't have a paying job. My pillow, they told you with a straight face, was the very linchpin of our country's public health system. Now imagine as they told you that, that Fox, as a news organization, endorsed it, amplified the government's message. Imagine if Fox News attacked anyone who refused to buy my pillow as an ally of Russia, as an enemy of science. And then imagine that Fox kept up those libelous attacks, even as evidence mounted that my pillow caused heart attacks, fertility problems, and death. If Fox News did that, what would you think of Fox News? Would you trust us? Of course you wouldn't. You would know that we were liars. Thank heaven, Fox News never did anything like that. But the other channels did. The other channels took hundreds of millions of dollars from big pharma companies, and then they shilled for their sketchy products on the air. And as they did that, they maligned anyone who was skeptical of those products. At the very least, this was a moral crime. It was disgusting, but it was universal. It happened across the American news media. They all did it. So at this point, the question isn't who in public life is corrupt, too many to count. The question is, who is telling the truth? So yeah, and here's my whole point. The trucker convoy was the story of the year in 2022, and Tamara Leach was the newsmaker of the year in 2022, even though the mainstream news never actually put her on her shows other than to demonize her. But I think the understory of 2022 was that the conspiracy to smear the truckers and keep the false unanimity about the lockdowns, it failed because of citizen journalism. Mainly, if I may say so, by us at Rebel News, Here's a tweet I wrote on February 12th, 2022. 17 Rebel News reporters are in nine cities today covering the convoys. Don't miss a thing. Go to our compilation page at convoyreports.com. If you like our work, please consider chipping in a few bucks. We don't take any money from the Canadian government, which is rare. Now, I wrote that to show off how much work we were doing, how much coverage we were doing with our citizen journalists compared to the CBC or the mainstream media. There were a few exceptions, but too few to mention Rupa Subramania was one example of a mainstream media reporter who would actually talk to the truckers. I was writing tweets like that to drum up support for Rebel News, but don't think Trudeau and his cronies didn't notice also. Of course they did. How could they not? Like I said, the truckers were the greatest embarrassment Trudeau, frankly, has ever faced in his career. And for some reason, they didn't respond to his drama teacher soliloquies. He just can't stand the fact that blue-collar truckers embarrassed him. They have contempt for him. And 
Citizen journalists told that story, even if the mainstream media wouldn't. He had all the big shots in the palm of his hand, CBC, CTV, Global, all the newspapers. But there was that pesky internet, those pesky citizen journalists on social media. Don't think Trudeau didn't notice. You don't spend billions of dollars a year buying and renting and corrupting the mainstream media to support your agenda without noticing the holdouts. And that is why the big story of 2023 is actually linked to the big story of 2022. 2023 is the year of Trudeau's revenge. The empire strikes back. Social media videos were the poor man's broadcasters. But Trudeau didn't control them. Well, enter Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act, as it's known. It is one simple thing and sets the table for many complex things. It gives Trudeau's hand-picked CRTC regulators jurisdiction over the Internet in the same way that they have jurisdiction over old-fashioned TV and radio. It's Trudeau's revenge on the Internet. Well, it passed last night in the Senate by a vote of 52 to 16. won't surprise you that China's two favorite senators, Peter Harder, of the Canada-China Business Council and the disgraced Yuan Pao Wu, the pro-communist propagandist. Both of them love C-11. It reminds them of China's censorship regime. 52 to 16, how embarrassing for Canada. Even more embarrassing, Patrick Brazo abstained. How do you abstain? I mean, either have the courage to stand for freedom, and why not? You're a senator, you can't be fired. Or have the courage to admit you're a censor. How embarrassing to abstain. Anyways, the bill received royal assent last night, too, so it now only awaits being proclaimed before it is active law. Here's the government's press release last night. Let me read it to you. The new law will help ensure Canadian stories and music are widely available on streaming platforms and will help to reinvest in future generations of artists and creators in Canada. Oh, really? For decades, Canadians thrived on the Internet without the CRT's interference, but now the... CRTC is here, the government's here in 2023 in the era of HBO and Disney and Netflix and Crave and YouTube and Facebook and Rumble and a thousand other online services. Hey guys, Trudeau's here to save artists and creators. Yeah, right. Let me read some more. The Online Streaming Act requires streaming services to contribute to the creation, production, and distribution of Canadian stories in a way that is flexible and fair. It's that last part though, isn't it? Fair. Trudeau will demand internet companies and their unfairness, you see. As judged by Trudeau, he will command them to promote things he feels are underpromoted and command them to censor things he thinks are too widely available. That's what fairness means. This will all be done in the name of fairness, of course. It's not fair that these internet companies give people what they want to see. That's just not fair. They have to give people what Trudeau wants them to see. That's fair. The law will give Canadians more opportunities to see themselves in what they watch and hear under a new framework that will lead to a modern definition of Canadian content that better reflects our country's diversity. Canadian artists, producers, creators, and our cultural industry can now count on a fair shot at success in the digital age. Hey guys, did you know that Canadians couldn't have enough, didn't have enough opportunities to see themselves until today? And now Trudeau is here to give them a fair shot. Does anyone believe this crud? I'll read more. The act aims to level the playing field. Whoa, really? Really? That means if you level a playing field, you lower those who are high and raise up those 
who are low. Imagine if the government leveled the playing field in any other field of endeavor, say professional sports. I mean, everyone needs a fair shot. I mean, it has to be fair. Just because a team's better doesn't mean they should have better results. And a government regulator will determine what fairness means. This is insane if you look at it from the point of view of the consumer, from the public, or creators, or journalists, or companies. But it is completely sane when you look at it from Trudeau's point of view. He wants to control everything you see or hear. Of course he does. He's a sociopath. He is a tyrant. Look at this. Next steps. Now that the Online Streaming Act has passed, the government will need to provide direction to the Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission, CRTC, which will be responsible for the implementation of the act. A draft of this policy direction will be published in the Canada Gazette, Part 1, for public consultation, which will include input from anyone who wishes to participate, such as stakeholders, artists, businesses, digital creators, and Canadians. Information about how to participate will be available on the Canadian Heritage website. Following the public consultation, the final policy direction will be published in the Canada Gazette, Part 2. So now that the law is passed, we will finally find out what the government actually intends to do with it. Isn't that funny? Pass the law first, then tell the public what the government plans really are. Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Wild guess, more control for Trudeau, more money for his friends, more penalties for his critics. Remember the other day I told you that this is just the first domino to fall? That's exactly what the government is admitting now, too. Here, look at this. The Online Streaming Act is one of three legislative projects that are a key part of the government's digital agenda. Online Streaming Act, Bill C-11, makes Canadian stories and music widely available to Canadians. Hey, guys, as if it wasn't. Online News Act, Bill C-18, requires large digital platforms to bargain fairly with news businesses over news content. No, it censors independent journalists like us. Online safety in development promotes a safer and more inclusive online environment. That's their heavy censorship. C-11 gives the government the power to regulate the internet and to alter who can be seen. C-11, C-18 shakes down Facebook and Google to give money to Trudeau's approved journalists. And the online safety bill, they used to call it the Online Harms Act, that allows for websites to be blocked or shut down by Trudeau's hand-picked digital safety commissioner. I'm not making that up. That's actually the name they chose. Just a reminder of what that's about. Envision having blocking orders. I mean, that's, that. It, maybe. Um, it's not, uh, you know, it's a, it, it would be, it would likely be a, a last result, last result, uh, nuclear bomb in, in, a, in a toolbox of, uh, of mechanism for, for regulate. Oh, really? When would the government use that nuclear option? We've seen too many examples of public officials retreating from public service due to the hateful online content targeted towards themselves or even their families. Oh, really? Well, don't say you weren't warned. They mentioned C-11, C-18, and the Online Harms Act, but they also have a fourth one, as I've told you before, C-36, which brings huge fines for anyone, any ordinary person, you, who writes something offensive on Facebook or Twitter, or even if you did it years ago, even when you were a kid, $20,000 fines for ordinary people who write mean tweets. The CRTC regulator couldn't be happier with all this. They now went from 
irrelevant dinosaurs yesterday, the masters of the universe today, the most important people in the entire industry today, they were a laughingstock. Now they're a laughingstock with the power to regulate and destroy. They put out a statement, too. They're very excited. Let me read it to you. A statement by the CRTC chairperson and chief executive officer, Vicky Eterdes, if I'm saying that right, on the Online Streaming Act. Today, the Online Streaming Act, Bill C-11, received royal assent. The CRTC can now begin building the broadcasting system of the future. <laughs> oh, so, so a government bureaucrat is going to build the broadcasting system of the future. Not companies like Netflix or Crave or HBO. Not creators like, you know, J.J. McCullough or Mr. Beast or even Rebel News. Not artists, not journalists, not music or movie makers. The government is going to build it. That's so gross but it's actually accurate, isn't it? The CRTC will establish a modernized regulatory framework where all players contribute equitably. Oh, that word. You know what equitably means, right? It doesn't mean equally. It means leveling the playing field. It means equality of outcome or whatever outcome the CRTC or Justin Trudeau want. Creators will have opportunities to tell their stories and Canadians will have access to a greater variety and diversity of content. <laughs> do you believe that? Do you believe that there have been a lack of opportunities to do things on the internet so far? Do you believe there really will be greater variety and diversity in the future on anything that matters? Will there be really more diversity of opinion on, say, vaccines or the pandemic or the war in Ukraine or global warming and the carbon tax or on transgenderism and men competing in women's sports and going to women's bathrooms? Do you really think with Trudeau regulating the internet there will be more diversity or more censorship. The CRTC has no intention to regulate creators of user-generated content and their content. That, my friends, is what we call a lie. Here's the author of the law, just in case you missed it a minute ago. We've seen too many examples of public officials retreating from public service due to the hateful online content targeted towards themselves or even their families. And as we just showed you, Trudeau hasn't even sent his instructions to the CRTC yet. They don't even know what they're going to be told to do. We will adapt our approach in light of any future policy direction. Yeah, of course you will. You will be censors. And they will come for us. Because we hurt Trudeau's feelings. Because we criticize him. We don't cheer him. We didn't take the carrot. We didn't take the payoff. We weren't in on the $104 million. So... Now here comes the stick. The views of all Canadians will be important at every step. Yeah, do you, do you really believe that? Do you believe that even conservatives, even people who disagree with Trudeau, do you believe they will be treated with respect? Really? Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, qui souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, 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 une petite, un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader, en tant que pays. Est-ce qu'on est qu tolère? So this is past parliament and it will be turned into law very soon. They just have to proclaim it. This is Trudeau's top priority, not the economy, not solving the national strike, not the cost of living or the cost of housing or immigration or taxes. This is censoring us. And by us, I mean you and me, not the CBC or other government propagandists. They'll be getting rich off this. So... So what can I do? I'll tell you more on Monday, but as you know, every once in a while, Rebel News stops just 
talking about something, talking about the news, talking about a crisis, and from time to time we stop and we actually do something. On Monday, I'll take you through our plan in detail, our battle plan. Because it's not enough just to report this and to give our opinion on it. That is important to let people know, to ring the alarm, to spread the word. But as we showed during the pandemic, we have to do things too. During the pandemic, we crowdfunded the legal defense of a great number of ordinary Canadians because we just had to do something about it. We couldn't just watch the voyeurs. We had to help fix the world. I believe we are in the same position now. If anyone is going to do something about this, I think it has to be us, us, me, Rebel News, and you. I'll tell you more on Monday. A key player in Justin Trudeau's regime is Brenda Lucky the commissioner of the RCMP, I knew something was amiss when I saw this unseemly kiss and hug, that's Trudeau's move on any female appointees, when Trudeau was under various investigations, not just for conflict of interest, but for the SNC-Lavalin scandal. It was a signal of just who was boss. Remember this, this public kiss and hug. Yeah, I think it's dangerous to have the head of the RCMP so closely and personally aligned with the Prime Minister. There has to be an arm's length separation. Unfortunately, in recent years, the police have become more politicized, not just the RCMP, although I do note it was the RCMP who shot our reporter, Alexa Lavoie, in Ottawa, the only person during the entire trucker convoy. Over the course of weeks, thousands of people, only one person was shot. And only one person pulled the trigger. It was the Ottawa RCMP shooting our reporter. Remember that terrible day? some criticisms of the RCMP, maybe you can guess where I'm going on this. Was I ever delighted to see the following article in the C2C Journal headline, Crime and Mismanagement, Why It's Time to Drop the RCMP and Create an Alberta Police. Written by Doug Furby, former editorial pages editor of the Calgary Herald, now a freelance writer. I'm delighted that Doug joins us now via Skype from Calgary. Now, Doug, you can see I've got a bit of a personal beef with the RCMP. I want to tell you, I grew up, and for the first 45 years of my life, there was no one who was a more back-the-blue guy than me. And of course, I do back-the-blue against real criminals. But more and more, I find police forces run political errands. And that's one of my criticisms with the RCMP. What are your reasons why Alberta should opt out of its contract 
with the RCMP and do what Ontario and Quebec do, create a provincial police force. Yeah, I mean, I think your first point is really an important one, Ezra. We all back the blue. We, we believe in having a strong, ethical, reliable police force that can take care of public safety. The question really is, is the RCMP the right force to do that job? There was a day that uh, I think uh, the RCMP was considered one of the best police uh, forces in the world. Remember the old slogan, the Mounties always get their man? Yeah. Well, that was, you know, a Hollywood creation, but it was it was true, too. They were a very, very effective police force. But as you say, there's been a politicization. There's been an erosion of the service. Uh, part of that was the fact that police officers could get paid better working for provincial police forces like Ontario, Quebec, than they could with the RCP, or working for municipal police forces. So the best officers tended to be attracted to the higher paying jobs. The argument in Alberta uh, for uh, a, 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 a provincial police force is really very simple. Two reasons. Number one, the political reason. Uh, Alberta is trying to assert its uh, rights uh, in the Constitution, and this is a relatively easy way for the province to cut one of its apron strings to the federal government. Mm -hmm. This is something that we could have complete control over. Uh, uh, the people of Alberta could hold this police force accountable, set the priorities, and so on. That's reason number one. Reason number two, as we've seen, is the RCMP are not doing as good a job as they might have in the past, if you know, if we're to believe the historical records. I talk to people in rural communities around Alberta, and there is a lot of dissatisfaction with the level of crime in rural areas in particular, and the RCMP's seeming inability to respond to that crime, or, or worse, in some cases, kind of a nonchalant attitude. Hmm. One person I talked to, he had thousands of dollars worth of gear stolen from his property. There were beer cans strewn around the property, clearly that would have had fingerprints from the thieves that came in there and, and ripped them off. They didn't even bother to take fingerprints. Why is that? I mean, have they just given up? Yeah, it's a good question. In your article, and we'll show it on the screen here, you have a chart showing the growth of rural crime. I, I really didn't know it was so rampant. And you gave an example, and, and I mean, you, you, you hinted at the question there, why? I mean, why wouldn't they? And by the way, that's where the RCMP in Alberta really are deployed. You have the Calgary Police Service, you have the Edmonton Police Service. So those big cities have their own police force. The RCMP have some jurisdiction over some things, but just your regular, you know, police station, beat cop, traffic cop, in a lot of Alberta, that's the RCMP. And if I understand, that's a contract, actually like a business contract signed between yeah. Alberta and the RCMP. Um, so it's not that it's a constitutional, natural state. It is not natural for Ottawa to run a police force in Stettler, Alberta or Cardston, Alberta. It's just, that's not uh, the default state. That's something that was chosen decades ago. And it was sort of like, you know, when you auto renew a subscription 
to something. You just sort of forget about it and just rolls over and over. I um. Well, well it used to be cheaper. As, Go ahead. It, I mean, used, it used to be cheaper to have the RCMP, right? Because the federal government was subsidizing the cost of providing police service. Over the years, the amount of subsidy has been cut back, uh, and the federal government is constantly making noises that they would like to eliminate the subsidy altogether. Hmm. And so it's no longer going to be cheaper for municipalities right. right. in any province to, to use the RCMP. So once you start paying the same price that you would for any other service, or perhaps more, you start to ask yourself, well, are you getting the best value for what you're paying? Right. Uh, so it's, it's almost as if the federal government bought their way into provincial jurisdiction, and now that the roots are there, they're ending the reason the provinces uh, bought in. But help me understand, I mean, why would the RCMP not care? And there's a lot of examples uh, you gave you gave one anecdote, but there's a lot. And, you know, the plural of anecdotes is not data. But if you look at that chart from your C2C journal, and I, I know uh, that that's, uh, you know, that's Statistics Canada data there. Why don't the RCMP seem to care? Or why is crime rising uh, under their watch? Like, is there a re like, surely if you talk to a, an RCMP officer, they would say they care. They would say they're, I mean, that, that is their one job in Alberta, basically fighting real crime. Why aren't they doing it? Well, I mean, there are larger issues. One of the issues that comes into play is the so-called catch and release uh, syndrome. Uh, police go to a lot of effort. They catch criminals. Uh, they're charged and then they're released. And so the people that they chase down uh, a few days or weeks earlier are back out in the street before you know it. So I think that all police services feel a great deal of frustration that uh, the courts are not really helping to uh, effectively uh, punish the criminals who they they do catch. So there is kind of like a, a sense of defeatism, like why are we even bothering with this? Um, I think the other issue is in a lot of small uh, provincial uh, communities where the RCMP operates, these are the first beats for a lot of these new grads. Mm. They go there, they're going to put in a couple of years, and then they're hoping to get a better assignment in some bigger community. Right. So they're there for a couple of years and then they're gone. And you have to wonder, well, how much do they actually get to know that community? How committed are they to that community? Right. That's a great point. I never thought of it because it is that national police force. I wonder if there's other factors afoot. I mean, um, to rise to certain heights in the RCMP, it's a federal institution that means it's a bilingual institution it has other political correctness and woke dogma within it i mean listen there's woke dogma in city police forces too believe me but um, i don't think there's the same emphasis on being if you're not bilingual you're not moving forward there that really doesn't apply to alberta where the second language is not french I, i'm going to guess the second language in alberta it's either ukrainian german or maybe even chinese these days it's got to be one of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is a major problem, too. I mean, if you're from the West and you aspire to get into senior management in the RCMP, then you have to be bilingual. And so a lot of really qualified people don't even get the chance to get into those leadership roles. Yeah. Hey, I got a question. And one thing that I maybe I knew in my bones, but I didn't know till I read it in your article. Let me quote. It's little wonder that the Mounties have fallen far in public esteem. 
An October 22nd Angus Reid study found that fewer than half of those polled across the country had confidence in the RCMP. That's shocking to me. While 45% said they had, quote, not a lot or, quote, a complete lack of confidence. Nor is it surprising that other cities and provinces are exploring the same move as Alberta. Nova Scotia ordered a review of policing models in the wake of the mass shooting there. New Brunswick's Minister of Public Safety has urged a hard look. I didn't know that they're... I, I thought this was more a niche issue when half of Canadians... Like, that Mountie brand... I mean, it's so strong around the world. It's the, it really is the symbol of Canada. When you think, other than like a maple leaf itself, what is the symbol that if you show it anywhere around the world, they'd say Canada with some sort of positive feeling? It's a Mountie. I remember there, there was a show, I, I think it was called Due South, about a you know, fish-out-of-water cop genre, about a Mountie in America. What was he doing there? But it was a source of a lot of gags. I don't know if that brand holds anymore. It's it's become a little tainted over the years. Oh, terribly tainted, and and for the most tragic reasons. I mean, in Alberta, we are still uh, painfully aware of the Lear Thorpe tragedy, in which uh, RCMP officers went to the scene of a known gunman who had a history of mental health issues. And a couple of them ended up dead. Uh, that was absolutely tragic, and it was preventable. But uh, it, uh, when we looked at the circumstances behind it, the RCMP in that detachment had one rifle, one, hmm. and they had to actually ask the neighbors if they could borrow their rifles when they were engaging hmm. this guy. So clearly, the RCMP were not equipped for something like that to happen. But of course. The biggest, the biggest tragedy, the one that's in the front of minds of everyone, is the Nova Scotia tragedy. Yeah. That one was an absolute, I mean, I would use the word comedy, but you can't in this circumstance. It was just a string of horrendous errors. The failure to uh, inform the public about the nature of what was going on, the uh, confusion uh, on the scene, the, and the fallout that came afterwards, you know, and lucky uh, trying to uh, use the, the, the incident to help promote the liberal government's uh, yeah, gun well, that was legislation. It, it, was, it was just the most ridiculous, inappropriate, yeah. tragic uh, set of circumstances and, and very bad for the image of the RCMP. On top yeah. Of it. yeah, it's just for our viewers. That's when... Uh, a criminal dressed up as a cop rode in a in a police car, an RCMP vehicle, and committed a spree of murders. And the RCMP respond not advising people of what was going on. It just was absolutely horrible. Uh, well, let me ask you this: I my Twitter feed is populated by a petition. I, I mean, I don't know how I've been targeted, but there is a group of people. I think it's the union that does mm -hmm. not want to give up. Alberta turf. They want the RCMP to stay. They like things just the way they are. Thank you very much. And so they're having a lobbying campaign to keep the RCMP in rural Alberta. And uh, I have no idea how big a lobby group that is. They, they've certainly managed in the algorithm to find me. Um, I think the NDP 
the official opposition in Alberta wants the uh, Trudeau's M- and the, uh, RCMP to stay in power. That's not a real surprise. Yeah. They really yeah. do favor Ottawa over Alberta. What is the likelihood that there will be progress on this? Is this a niche issue that's sort of like a daydream for uh, Alberta firsters? Or does this have a real chance of actually happening? If Danielle Smith wins the um, upcoming election in Alberta, will this happen? Or is this just an interesting idea that will never be an Yeah, it's a, that's, that is such a great question, Ezra, because I think when you look at uh, the logic of making the move, the logic of creating our, a provincial police force, it's irrefutable. I, I remember talking to a counselor in the city of Grand Prairie in northern Alberta. They spent years looking at this issue and came to the conclusion that they would be better off with their own police force than with the RCMP. If you look at the, all of the factors inside and out, you will conclude uh, quite easily that a locally controlled police force is a superior way to go. There seems to be fairly strong resistance in some rural communities in Alberta. I mean, polling suggests that the majority of citizens aren't comfortable with uh, replacing the RCMP with, uh, with, a, with a provincial police force. And, you know, we're trying to understand why. I think it's probably partly uh, comfortable with the devil you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know what the RCMP do, and uh, we're comfortable with them. And in fact, you know, there are the local RCMP um, commanders who are very good at liaising with the community. Some of them do a, a, a great job. And so that, that presents a problem. Mm. I think the province, if they get a majority government, will move ahead with replacing the RCMP with the provincial force. It all comes down to the outcome of that election. Yeah. Well, a lot of things will turn on that, that's for sure. Well, listen, Doug, great to catch up with you again, and thanks for this article once more. I'd like to give it a shout-out. It's in c2cjournal.ca. Crime and mismanagement, why it's time to drop the RCMP and create an Alberta police. I, uh, boy, you know, it's there's a hundred things that turn on, that, that turn uh, the course if Rachel Notley is re-elected as the pre- premier of that province. I think... That's the Detroit moment. Remember, Detroit used to be the city in America with the highest industrial wage. It was the economic magnet of the continent. Everyone went there for the high-paying jobs. Detroit was the future city. It didn't fall apart because of foreign trade deals. That came later. It fell apart because of left-wing, big government policies. Politicians were in Michigan, certainly the city of Detroit, Even a great and prosperous place like Alberta can be destroyed. Nothing is forever. And I think so many things turn on that election. Doug, we'll have to talk to you again soon. Great to see you. Thanks again for joining us today. Ezra, thanks so much for giving me a chance to talk a bit about this issue. I think it's a very important one. Well, I'm really grateful to you. And it's a very thoughtful piece. We'll have a link to the story below this video. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me, Alex Carroll writes, Hi, Ezra. I hope you plan to reach out to your friend Tucker Carlson immediately 
Try to get him to join your team. He has the wherewithal to start a TV station to broadcast our kind of right-wing truth news with Rebel and fight back against Trudeau and the CBC. This is exactly what we need to do in Canada to save our freedom of speech and stifle Bill C-11 and all censorship. Well, um, we are in a little canoe, and Tucker Carlson is a big battleship. I read that he was getting $20 million a year. That's real money, U.S. money. That's just the money side. I mean, his audience, he was getting three, four, sometimes five million views a night. He's so enormous. And he's American, by the way. He's, he loves Canada. He talks about us a lot. But the idea that Rebel News would be partners with him is like a canoe being partners with a battleship. That said, I can hardly wait to see what he does next. And if there is some way for us to be involved, we certainly will try. We were involved in his program on Fox News in one way, as you know. He would have our reporters on from time to time. Even myself, I was on several times. And sometimes they would just use our footage, giving us credit, which I really like. So I think that that will likely continue with wherever Tucker Carlson pops up next. On Tamara Leach, Fox 2021 says, great woman, run for PM. We need someone that can organize for a change. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking with her and I've enjoyed getting to know her a little bit as we've worked together on publishing her book. Bernice Snyder says, why is the book not available in Chapters Indigo or even in our libraries, especially in Alberta? Well, you'd have to ask the libraries that. Libraries, uh, they typically do order books. The fact that the book is number one on the Amazon.ca bestseller list will probably bring it to the attention of various libraries. Chapters Indigo is just atrocious on this stuff. You might recall that a year ago, our friend Andrew Lawton from True North wrote his take on the, on the Freedom Convoy. That was the name of his book. And it went to number one on the bestseller list too. And I, I really like Andrew and he wrote a great book. They wouldn't put it on the shelves in Chapters Indigo. And Andrew, if I may, and I think he'd probably agree with this, is one standard deviation less radical <laughs> than we are here. Like he's, he's, he's easier for Chapters Indigo to embrace, but they wouldn't. And for a while there, I would go into Chapters Indigo stores when I would wander by them. And I would say, where's Andrew Lawton's book? Where's his book? Where's his book? You're not putting the number one book out? So if they wouldn't put his book out on the shelves, I don't know if they're going to put Tamara Leach's book because she was the center of the convoy, not just a reporter like Andrew Lawton, but the organizer. I'm going to go, you've planted a seed in my mind, though. I'm going to go check online. Um, as far as I know, though, they do not have any books uh, of Tamara Leach's. What a shame, eh? They claim to be Canada's biggest bookstore, which they are in terms of bricks and mortar bookstores, but they're not even stocking the most popular book in the country. Well, if that's the case, Amazon's going to continue to eat their lunch. That's our show for the day. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.